So I had lived my life beating myself up for a year about something that didn't even happen. And six pounds, who cares? We're judging ourselves by, oh, I didn't make it up to the top level of having a sitcom. I didn't make it to where I was a size zero. You know, guess what? We did okay. We're never going to be the best. We're never going to be the worst. We're somewhere in between. And that's okay. Come on this journey with me. Each week when you join me, we are going to chase down our goals, overcome adversity, and set you up for a better tomorrow. Fasten your I'm ready for my close-up. Hi, and welcome back. I am so excited for you to have, actually, I was going to say my amazing guest this week, but my amazing guest this week was actually one of my first guests ever in 2019 when I launched the show. But today I have the amazing announcement of having Lisa Lampanelli, a storyteller, performer, and inspiration to millions back on the show. She's got a career that spanned more than 30 years. Lisa was a constant on the comedy scene, numerous tours, Grammy nominations, national TV guest appearances, and specials under her belt. Lisa made headlines in 2012 when she lost more than 100 pounds with the help of bariatric surgery. The comedian went on to speak with unflinching honesty about her lifelong food and body image issues. She's since gone from insulter to inspirer. Major change. She announced her retirement from stand-up comedy on the Howard Stern radio program in late 2018 and is dedicating her life to performing in storytelling shows, inspiring others, and being here as a guest today. Lisa, thank you so much for coming on. Oh my God, of course. I'm here with my little rescue dog, Parker, who is so needy that God forbid his mother wouldn't be retired. Like, thank God I'm essentially retired now. (laughs) Hang out with my two dumb dogs. I think they would freak out if I didn't. So yes, I am happily working on very little these days and thrilled to tell you about it. I can't believe it. The pace at which that you kept for so many years, Lisa, is... It's got to be exhausting. I mean, when you look back, do you miss that pace or are you happier to be taking it easy now? I have to tell you, we were chatting off the air before we came on and I was reading about retirement. And when I retired from standup, I literally can say, I honestly telling you the truth when I say there's not one thing I miss about the old life, like literally nothing. What's to miss? Seeing different hotels, airports, and theaters every day. The only thing I miss is talking about myself, which my podcast, which I'll tell you more about later, you know, that that obviously is a nice outlet for that because I could show people, you know, some of my wisdom and I've learned along the way. But dude, like there's literally such a hard life with comedy that thank God I was raised by depression era parents who were like, save your money. And if you don't want to do it anymore, you don't have to. And I think I'm finally, after all these years of like, ooh, do I do nothing? Do I do a little of this? Do I do a little of that? Do I just sit around and pretend I have hobbies, which BTW, I don't. What's the balance in retirement? Because I think a lot of people struggle with it, but there's no books about it. I found one book on retiring the mental and emotional stress and grief of it. So it's very interesting to be going through that. And I'm glad I'm learning. Well, I mean, good for you. You're always learning. You're always evolving. I mean, you're constantly embracing these transitions that you go through and you're so real in sharing it. I, you know, I don't know many people that are retiring. It's not like you have to, first of all, right? You have shows that you can be doing. You have audiences, you have huge following. So what was making you say, okay, I want to start dialing it back even more? 
So I think what happens is we get on a track of some sort and you start doing clubs and it's it, the same stuff that parallels anyone in business or any mm-hmm. career. You start doing clubs, you start getting paid, you start doing theaters if you're lucky, TV, film, and then you start doing Radio City, Carnegie Hall and next Madison Square Garden. And it literally dawns on you one day that none of this is filling the hole. Like there's a hole inside that we're all trying to fill with some kind of achievement that never gets filled with that. And the only thing that fills us from the inside is self-love. And that's the thing we forget to work on, or at least I did. So when I started noticing my own life that I didn't love doing stand-up anymore, I hate to travel. Like I literally now, if you told me I never had to go outside of my state again, I'd be thrilled. Because I just, that's not me. I'm not born that way. So you start noticing and then you go, huh? Well, if I don't like it, why am I doing it? And I don't want the audience to start seeing that. And now it's sort of after three years or so of trying different experimenting with what do I want to fill my time with? I do very little, but the stuff I do, I look at my calendar and I'm like, oh, I love that. Oh, I love that. I love that. And there's nothing that's horrible. And there was a lot that was horrible, but of my own doing, getting on some track of like, oh, find acceptance through comedy, try to connect through comedy. How about I connect in my real life? How about I go to the store and say hi to the clerk and not be in such a rush? Like there's connection everywhere and it doesn't just have to come through show business or work. It's so interesting you say that for a long time. And I I think this happens to most people is that you get in some track, whatever it is, business, comedy, whatever, and Mm -hmm. that you don't pick your head up to think, I'm not really happy going to work every day. I don't really love this. No, you start thinking, this is what I'm supposed to do. I have to pay the bills. This is the, the decision I made. Like, there's no chance that you could just pump the brakes and, and try to do something different. Right. And what's funny is everyone can change and what they do. And they say, I think they say now people have three different careers throughout their life. Instead, it used to be three different jobs. Now it's like three different careers fully. And I did. And I'm like, oh, why can't I change? I mean, no, I could always move to a small house, like which I did. I could always like you know, stop being fancy, which that was just another attempt to fill the hole. Like, why do I have to be fancy? Like, why do I have to buy the clothes and the shoes and the bags and all this ridiculous stuff? Because it never fills that internal thing. So we get scared to change though, because with any change, even if it's a good one, there's a loss. So if I changed from unhappy celebrity comic to happy retiree, there's still loss and grief and we're afraid to feel it because there's a loss of identity. There's the, wow, I'm not somebody anymore in anyone else's eyes. I'm just kind of this chick who kind of goes to the store and does her little ballroom dance class and does her podcast. And she's kind of just like us. So again, there's a loss, you feel it. And the key is going, well, it's a change for the better but I'm still going to have to feel that grief and sadness and get through it instead of not feel it. So I think that's why people are just afraid to change. And I get it. It's hard. I like that point that you made that change is representing some kind of loss. I don't really think of it consciously that way, the way that you articulated it. So thank you for saying that because we are all being hit with so much change and with it, we're not necessarily stopping to say, oh my gosh, I just gave up or lost something as a result of this, even if it is something good, like you just mentioned. Yeah, Yeah. your life can get better, but you're still going to have loss from the past that you have to go through. And everybody thinks grief is just about when someone dies. 
And it's like, there's, we talked about on my podcast, death of a dream is huge, which is basically say someone always wanted kids, but ended up couldn't. You still have to grieve the kids you didn't have. If somebody wanted to say me, it would be, um, you know, say it was Madison Square Garden, even though that wasn't a huge dream. Say it was, I would have to grieve that. And there's nothing wrong with feeling sad. You obviously don't want to get stuck in it and have what they call complicated grief, which is where your life cannot move on and you have to really figure out why you're stuck. But it helps you get through it. It helps you go, oh, I'm allowed to be sad and move on. And it's just, it's astounding to me. I just cannot believe how much better life can be if you change it, but going through it is hard. Going through the change is, that's the hard part because you don't know what's on the other side. It isn't guaranteed that Lisa Lampanelli is going to be happy if she is the retired comedic person. Like you said, you're willing to give up the loss, not knowing what's on the other side. And that's really scary. Yeah. What helps people through, I think what helped me was like, we never know what's on the other side of anything. Like literally who knows what will happen when I step out the door today to get the mail. Like who knows what will happen if I go in the backyard? Like you just don't know. So when we go, well, we really are powerless and we really can't control anything. And people like me who've been brought up the way I have, we have control issues. We want everybody to do what we say and we want our life to go as planned. Nothing goes as planned. And resilience, I noticed too, like everybody throws around the word resilience. I had tons when it came to career, like I'd bounce back, I'd do this, I'd do none in real life. I didn't know how to come back after an argument with someone. I didn't know how to come back and say, I'm sorry. I didn't know how to come back when it was, uh, you know, getting knocked down from some uh, bumped off somebody's list for a party. Like, I just was like, how do you, how do people keep coming back? And I'm, oh, I did it with comedy, but not in my life. And now I'm learning how to keep doing comebacks, which is funny because when we first met, I was doing retirement one way, which was definitely still busyness, which was like, I was trying to be a life coach, which I found out I didn't like because I don't like being a coach. I like telling people what to do, giving advice and then dumping them. Basically that's my, my goal. (laughs) And if you don't take it, you're an idiot because I'm so smart. Are you tired of the stress and chaos of live launching? Who isn't right? But if you've tried going evergreen, you know, that's not the solution either. Hello, low conversions. So what's the answer? The circuit sales system is designed to make sales for you every single day while giving your audience all of the excitement of live launching without you ever having to live launch again. What would increasing your current yearly revenue by 40 times look like for you? Okay, nobody's making any income guarantees here, but that's exactly what Nikki did for her business when she developed her circuit sales system. The circuit sales system is the automated system that combines the best of both live launching and evergreen with none of the worst. Think high conversions and high predictability without the chaos or risk. Get the free on-demand video training at circuitsalessystem.com slash confidence. Get the free on-demand video training at circuitsalessystem.com slash confidence. When I started podcasting, an online store was the furthest thing from my mind. Now I'm selling my group coaching on the regular and it is just so easy, all because I use Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at 
every stage of your business from the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage all the way to did we just hit a million order stage shopify is there to help you grow whether you're selling scented soaps or offering outdoor outfits shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling. Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort, thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. I didn't know what I was going to do when I got fired. Launching my own business seemed so intimidating. I didn't know how to set up a website, and I really didn't need to. Shopify does it all for you, and they make it so easy. It was that breakthrough moment for me that I realized, I can do this. I can go to work for myself, thanks to Shopify What I love about Shopify is you don't need to have all this technology information ready to, you don't need to know how to plan and run things. You just need to go to the platform, turn it on and know what you're selling. And Shopify is going to help you figure out the rest. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's and Brooklinen and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries, including your girl right here. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Monahan, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash Monahan now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Monahan. No matter what stage you're at, they're going to make it easy. CBDistillery.com is giving you an exclusive offer and it's huge. Right now, you can get up to 30% off everything. If you've struggled with sleep, stress, or pain after physical activity, cbdistillery.com has a targeted plant-powered solution just for you. I love hearing how many of you have seen improvement in your daily life, thanks to CBD. So if better sleep, more calm, and relief from discomfort after physical activity sounds good to you, you should explore CBD. Don't miss this massive sale and get up to 30% off your order Visit cbdistillery.com and enter VIP. That's cbdistillery.com and enter VIP at cbdistillery.com. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, and South Dakota. So like, I don't like that. And I was trying to do a very visible podcast on podcast one. And I'm like, okay, that was still trying. That was still like a full-time job. So I'm like, that's not retiring. And then it went to, okay, I'm going to, after my mom passes, I was like, I'm not going to do anything. And I literally got rid of, like I downsized my houses. I was, I bought the house I grew up in from her. It's so cute and little. And I have the dogs. And I was like, I'm just going to sit and I'm going to enjoy life and declutter. And I'm like, well, that lasted six months. And I'm like, okay, what brings me joy and a little happiness? And I started just experimenting these little tiny pursuits, like little and small. And I just go, oh my God, I have cute little hobbies that don't look like anyone else's. They're not knitting or quilting or drawing. I have no talent whatsoever in that stuff. But what can I do? I like talking. I like writing. So, but very small quantities 
so I don't feel like I'm back in the grind. And there's no goal with a capital G. It's living, you know what it is? It's like living with a ton of small G goals, no big one. Like there's no big G goal in my life other than to like myself. So that'll be when I'm 80. Cause like, you know, I got to work on him for 20 years. So I really like myself. I think I got 20 more years left, but I'm like, wow, everything else is just fun and light and little G and I have to pull it back if it becomes a goal, because then I'll get back on the stand-up comedy, not, not physically doing stand-up, but I'll get in that mindset of like, it's never enough. It's like right now, if I quit everything, I'm enough. And it's just learning that. So it's a very, it's an interesting place to be in that not a lot of people talk about. It's profound. It's really big. If you could go back, do you wish you had learned this earlier? Or do you think that would have hurt your career if you were willing to let go of these things? I would have been willing to not have much of a career if I had more self-love. Definitely. Like, who cares? Money means literally nothing. We'll always, we're all, you know, not every person on earth, but you and I, people listening probably, we'll always have a roof over our head. We'll always have food in the fridge. We'll be fine. We'll find a friend here or there or a relative. We can always stay with someone. So the fact is, if I could have done things with, oh, that sounds like a cute thing, stand-up comedy. Oh, I'm going to like keep the mindset I did when I was an open micer because that's the best time ever when you're a comic is just starting out, not getting paid, sitting at the diner with the guys afterwards and just being like, hey, man, what do you think of this joke? What do you think of that? And I'm like, what's funny, that level is a blast. And then the stakes start going up and you got to stay, quote unquote, on top of whatever it is. Do your, like, I did a ton of Tonight Shows. I did a ton of roasts. I did a five Comedy Central and HBO specials. I mean, it was rarefied air. So it's cute to remember that and go, oh, that's cute. Like, I got to stay in these fancy places. But you go, mm, did it really do anything? Not really. Because when you go back and you start thinking of what I really remember as far as heartwarming things that I did, it's like, oh, that person who came up after and said the show helped them through their life or past grief, which was huge for me. Or, oh, I cooked Thanksgiving dinner for my whole family for the first time when I was 50 or whatever it is. Those are the things I remember. And I'm like, oh yeah, Radio City, that's fine. I'm not ashamed of an accomplishment. We should all feel proud. But then I recognize it was work. It really wasn't anything else. It's just work. Everybody's just going to work. So I would have I would have loved less success, more real connection with my life and myself. And that would have been really cool. But I wasn't brought up that way. It wasn't my journey. And thank God, I always laugh because I go, the best thing money can do right now for me, if I need therapy seven days a week, I can afford it. So it's almost like you use whatever you have to show for your career to make yourself better and the world better, hopefully, because if you're better in the world, everyone around you feels it. I also think people didn't talk about this kind of stuff years ago, not even five years ago. I didn't really hear about this. And, and your message is essentially self-love first, and that's the quality of life, and that's the goal. That's the real goal, right? But no one taught any of us that growing up or even as a young adult. I certainly didn't know, and, and I certainly don't have it figured out now, However, I'm aware of it because of conversations like this one. So at least we have the awareness. And then hopefully someone's hearing this today and thinking, 
oh, this is a good reminder that I don't just have to check the box to check the box. Maybe I could spend a little time with myself doing something that's special for me. And that could be the goal today. 100%. Like, I think the biggest thing to remember is three words, you are enough. And if that is the goal that by the end of your life, starting today, you can start to figure out how to know you're enough without accomplishing one more thing. You are not your accomplishments. You are not your money in the bank. You are not anything other than you were put on this earth to be you. And I'm like, wow, if I could be a little less angry tomorrow, if I could be a little more kind and hold the door tomorrow, if I could be a little more patient with the old person tomorrow, it's like, oh, that's why I was put here. I wasn't put here to make money and to be fabulous. It's like, it's kind of like pretty basic. Like it's not hard to figure out if you slow down. I'm sure you, you get this too, dude. You've always understood it. We don't slow down. Like there's, cause shit comes up. Like, dude, like today, even I had the whole morning off and I was like, oh my God, things are coming up. Uh Oh, I'm doing too much. I feel like I have to accomplish something. Oh my God. Notice it, figure out the feeling, work through it. And then you're better off because then you can fully be present for whatever you do that day. But Slowing down makes you feel and think, and no one wants to do any of that stuff because that's hard. That's a hard thing. It's hard earning millions of dollars. It's hard feeling, you know? Well, and also, especially depending on how you were growing up, you know, I was a middle child and I definitely was an overachiever. So I started noticing at a very young age, when I get MVP, when I, you know, hit the ball out of the park, I'm get, people are excited with me. I've got to do that again. I like how that I want people to come and, and I'm not going to lie. I'm 47. I still love what I give a keynote speech and people come to me and say, Oh, that was a myth. I get so excited. It's hard. It's hard to detach from that feedback, but there's not a problem with being, if liking that feedback, that's badass. Like I was um, at a comedy club to support a friend the other day. And like, I got recognized so much. I don't get recognized that much anymore because of my hair and because I lost all the weight and, you know, most of my appearances were before that, but a lot of people were travels and they're like, Oh my God, that's her and stuff. It's so much fun to have people come up. Even I was at a ballroom dance thing. Cause I ballroom dance badly twice a week. And my <laughs> goal now is to do everything badly because it's just more fun. Like, what am I going to try to be all fancy and be on dancing with the stars? No. And one of the original dancing with the stars dancers was on, was at the, this event and it he was my mom's favorite and she just loved him. So I had to go tell him. And I got a kick out of the fact that he knew who I was, that he was like, oh, we'll have to have dinner with me, you and my wife. And I was like, well, that felt good, but be careful. See, my thing is you can't need it. You have to enjoy it. it like the money or anything else. It's not saying downplay accomplishments or money or a nice car. It's saying, yeah, I like it, but I can't need it. The only thing I think I really... Actually, you know, I've been listening so much to the minimalist podcast that I'm like, we don't really need anything. We like literally need a small place to live in food. Like that's kind of it. We don't even need people. I mean, we want them. It makes our life more pleasant. We, I love my dogs, but we don't need a lot. And I think it's funny. I was at a friend's house yesterday and she was talking how she wanted to be a, a screenwriter and they live in a gorgeous, like a multi-million dollar house. And I'm like, well, you don't need this house. Oh yes, we do. And at that point, you're like, you don't argue with people. You just go, mm-hmm. okay, no, that's great. Because that's her journey. Nobody could have told me two years ago, I didn't need a multi-million dollar house. 
It's hilarious. Why the F does one person and 10 pounds of dog need a house like that? And yes, I think we're all afraid to downsize to what is really resonating with us on the inside instead of this outside stuff. So yeah, it's again, you can't argue people into your journey. That's their path, but you got to recognize your own self of how you are reacting on your journey, which is why I got out in the first place. I feel like having watched you and, and knowing about your history, you started this. This isn't brand new for you. You started this process a few years ago. You started giving up the clothes in the bag. You started giving up, you let go of the weight, right? Like you started making these changes where you were dropping things through time to get you now to where you're okay, now dropping the next layer of things. A husband, and thank God we're still friends. I had a very pleasant divorce. The husband, I think starting 50 years old up was, and I just turned 60, I think that's the that's when all the shedding started. Again, it's not that deliberate. I need to rid my house of everything. I have a lot of stuff, but it's all sentimental. And again, do I need all that? No, I still remember my parents and my everyone in my life. So it did start with the more the stuff that was very surfacy, you know, the bad marriage, the weight, the too many places to live, the too expensive stuff, furniture, all that. I was like, oh, that's cute. I can get rid of that. Don't need any of that. And then it became career. It's like I've literally minimized my whole life and it feels so much better because they say if you want something and a happier life, you don't add things. It's what you take out. So if I'm taking out meaningless things, other meaningful things rush in to fill that. And it's like, oh, It's okay for your drawers. I just gave my nephew, you'd laugh. I have these very hip, cool nieces and nephews who are musicians and skateboarders and stuff. So they love all these old 90s sweaters that my mom had. So I saved him about, oh God, I saved him like 20 of them. And he's like, oh, these are so badass. They're going to love these at school. And they're awful, but they love them as kids. Gave it to him. And I said, hey, Tanner, isn't it interesting? There's two empty drawers here now and I don't have to fill them. And he's like, wow, that's cool. And I'm like, yeah, it's cool to have empty drawers in our schedule, in our house, in our life, and in our, because it lets stuff in. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters. And, what do I even say other than, hey? (sighs) Well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care, and we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI. It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Like, can you imagine like the stuff that's just been rushing into my life in the past two years that make it full? Like these weird little connections with real people. I'm like, oh, how did I end up with so many cute acquaintances and little things to do and fun hobbies? Because I had to empty it first and then not feel empty and see what comes in to say yes to. 
I talk a lot about firing your villains, firing negative people from your life to open up space to allow good things to come in. And it's such an appropriate analogy for what you're explaining because I haven't thought about it the way that you articulated it, that it's not about what you're adding to your life, it's what you're subtracting from it so something better can be added. Yeah, like I used to always use that when I would talk about men or relationships because I'm like, if you're holding on to something, your hands aren't open to receive. So I always thought about when it came to men or bad relationships, but then I'm like, oh my God, it's the whole, your whole life to give you a shameless plug with a quick story for my podcast. And again, something I do out of just love for the two people I'm doing it with. I literally was asked by a niece of mine to go see this stand-up comic who was just starting a few years ago before COVID. I said, oh, he's got something. And then it was fine. I was like, oh, gave him some notes. That's it. Bumped into him during COVID at a UPS, no problem, reconnected after COVID. And I overheard him and another male comic, straight guys, white guys, talking so freaking deep and vulnerable. I'm like, okay, wait a minute. I've never heard two straight guys talk with such feelings and emotions and vulnerability to each other. I go, this is a podcast. So we decided to put this thing together. It's called Losers with a Dream. What happens is they talk about a big issue that I make them talk about, and it's hard. It's acceptance, vulnerability. We did fear of success. We did all that the deep stuff you and I talk about and that we read about, and then I go in for a half hour and life coach them and make fun of them and have a good time, so it's kind of roasty too. That rushed in. Meeting these guys rushed in because I had enough time and space to notice when my niece said, let's go see this guy, I wasn't squeezing it in going, but I'm very, I'm very important. I have so much to do. I'll give you 10 minutes. It was because, oh, that's cute. My niece wants to do that. And then I just kept noticing what worked and made me feel joyful and peaceful. And I've never worked on a project. It's so weird. I would say since those open mics, when I first started comedy, that I cannot wait to get to that studio Cannot wait. We have a writing meeting every week and we're writing a sitcom pitch that will never be made because, you know, networks are so crazy and it's okay just to have fun with it. I'm like, wow, that's just pure joy. And I get it. I think getting a kick out of something is something I didn't notice before. So I think that shows that when you have that little empty space inside to have some fun, you can say yes to the right stuff. So that's why I like it. What's the name of the show, Lisa? Oh yeah. It's called Losers with a Dream. And that's from uh, one of the Comedy Central roasts when I used to talk about the whole dais of comics and people up on the, the stage, I would say, but enough about these losers with a dream. Let's talk about Hulk Hogan <laughs> or whatever. And the reason we call the podcast that, and I gave them that name, I said, because we're all kind of losers, but we all have dreams. So I've lost in certain ways. We've all have lost in our lives. And these guys are kind of like, Ah, we suck at dating. We suck at life kind of and work, but we're really trying. So we all have that dream of having fulfillment. So that's why I like that the show called that because it's cheeky, but it also, we're all kind of losers and that's okay. We're all misfits. We're all the Island of Misfit Toys. We're all dented cans trying to bang out the dents. Thank God we're the people trying to bang the dents out instead of being the dented cans who run around and just hurt people. Oh, it's so true. Hurt people are out there hurting people now more than ever. You see it online. It's crazy, right? And I'm just like, I've been a hurtful person in my life in instances, definitely. And I said, when I retired, if anyone had their feelings hurt, 
they should definitely contact me and I would apologize because boy, it's powerful when you get an apology. I've gotten some and given some and it's transformative. So I really like to go, okay, just because I was hurt in my life doesn't mean I have to hurt you. And it's, it's owning that stuff. And starting to forgive yourself for yeah. those things, for those mistakes and, and, and let it go and not, not torture yourself over it. Well, it's interesting you say that because I still beat myself up a lot for various things. Like it's interesting with the weight and food stuff has been so rampant, especially with COVID. It's like mm-hmm. people are beating themselves up for gaining COVID weight. And I remember I was like, oh, I had weight loss surgery 11 years ago, kept my weight off. It's like a miracle because so many people don't. And I literally in COVID was convinced in my head, because I'm so eating disordered, that I had gained 20 pounds. I would not put on anything but sweats. And I get on a scale a year later and I had gained six. So I had lived my life beating myself up for a year about something that didn't even happen. And then what I did was I was talking to my shrink about it. I'm like, I'm going to forgive myself for those six pounds. And if they don't go anywhere, they don't go anywhere. And six pounds, who cares? We're judging ourselves by, oh, I didn't make it up to the top level of having a sitcom. I didn't make it to where I was a size zero. You know, guess what? We did okay. We're never going to be the best. We're never going to be the worst. We're somewhere in between. And that's okay. Lisa, you're so happy. You're so genuine. I am so happy for you. I'm so happy to see you continue to evolve and be stepping into doing something that brings you so much joy. So thank you for creating this show. Thank you for sharing your vulnerability. It means the world for people to hear someone who they have on a pedestal out there because of of all of the work that you did in the world, of everything that you created to now be this vulnerable and real. Just, it, it means so much. Thank you for doing it. Oh my God. I love you, dude. And honestly, I remember when we did our first thing and I was like, she's cool. Like I literally reach out to very few people about going on their podcasts and stuff because, you know, again, this is a labor of love. It's, you know, just fun. I was like, Heather was cool as F and plus you're super hot. And one of my co-hosts has said he will marry you instantly because <laughs> you're so pretty and smart. I like when guys recognize that girl's pretty and smart. So that's how evolved they are. <laughs> oh my gosh. So evolved. I so appreciate it. Well, where can we find the show? Yeah, everywhere. It's on Apple. It's on Spotify. It's called Losers with a Dream. We have almost 20 episodes out. I am so freaking proud of these millennials who can actually talk about stuff that's deep. I'm shocked because when I was 30, I couldn't. This is as vulnerable as I can get. And I'm 60. And I'm like, how am I learning from people my age, especially men? So yeah, they can find it everywhere. It's really funny, but it's very heartfelt too. And um, there's a few tears from me occasionally. I'm a big uh, mushy heart when I have to be. So I hope you enjoy it. Oh, thank you so much, Lisa. I love you too. It was so great to see you. And everyone, check out the show. Lisa never disappoints. Yay. I love you, dude. I'll talk to you soon. (laughs) I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, guys. journey with me. 
Hi, I'm here to tell you about a new podcast that I am so excited about, Negotiate Your Best Life, hosted by Rebecca Zung, a part of the Yap Media Network. As a globally renowned narcissist negotiation expert and an attorney recognized by U.S. News as a best lawyer in America, Rebecca shares her invaluable insights and strategies for navigating life's toughest negotiations. By drawing from her own experiences and the wisdom of her high-profile guests, such as Bob Proctor, Mark Mark Victor Hansen, John Gordon, and Rebecca delivers empowering advice that will inspire you to reclaim control of your life. Negotiate Your Best Life is all about how to negotiate your way to greatness. She provides practical guidance on how to break free from toxic relationships, stand up against injustice, and transform chaos into freedom, possibility, and purpose. Many times, the first negotiation you do is with your own in the morning. In the morning is when you wake up, and that's when Negotiate Your Best Life is time for you. It's about to find your way to greatness, conquering obstacles, and creating the life you truly deserve. Get ready to slay thrive and unlock your full potential. Don't believe me? I'm going to go ahead and share some of the reviews that are out there so you can hear and you can believe too. You have helped me so much these last few weeks. I was with a narcissist for two years. She drove me to the point I wanted to take my own life. Listening to you has made a massive difference and now I know what I'm with. Thank you, Rebecca. Now the recovery. Thank you for gifting the knowledge to believe in myself again. You have unknowingly helped me legally represent myself through criminal, federal, and civil court proceedings with a narcissist. There would be so many people around the world that you're helping without even knowing like me. You saved my life. Emma, 35 years old, Australia. If you are ready to stand up against injustice and transform the chaos in your life into freedom, possibility, and purpose, then check out Negotiate Your Best Life now. Subscribe to Negotiate Your Best Life with Rebecca Zung on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform.